Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live by Every Word. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. I'm Dwight Falk. We're online at kpcg.fm. And we have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. All of our programming is uh, available in podcast form. If you can't catch it live, you can get the podcast at thetrumpet.com or kpcg.fm or wherever you like to get your podcasts. A friend recently was relaying to me a uh, conversation that they had with one of their relatives, and it's centered on the Bible, and the relative doesn't believe the Bible. And they use the argument that the Bible is just some writings that um, people made up. They just wrote it down, and they don't think there's value in it. They don't think it's from God. Now, some people do not believe the Bible is really the Word of God, and of course, some people don't even believe in God. But we can prove that God is real, and we can prove that the Bible is, in fact, his inspired word. And again, it takes somebody with a willingness to look into it and an open mind to see what the truth is. But God tells us how we can know that the Bible is his revealed word. We'll focus on that part of it for today's program. You can learn a lot about God and how to prove God's existence in uh, a lot of the material at thetrumpet.com. And we'll cover a little bit of it today, but we're focusing today more on proving that the Bible is the revealed word of God. God tells us how we can look at this. Let's notice Isaiah 41. And we have a few scriptures to look at today. So if you do have a Bible handy, you could get get it out and we could look at these together and see what God says. Now I'm going to read this first one from the Revised Standard Version. Usually I use the King James Version, which is usually the best version. But there's um, sometimes that scriptures can have a certain um, emphasis placed on them in other versions. We'll read the Revised Standard Version here for Isaiah 41, verses 21 through 22. God says, Set forth your case. Bring your proofs, says the king of Jacob, and tell us what is to happen. Tell us the former things, what they are, that we may consider them, that we may know their outcome, or declare to us the things to come. So God's issuing his challenge here. Okay, let's make prophecies. Let's say what will happen in the future, and then let's watch it come to pass. The Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course, which is free at thetrumpet.com, says this, If prophecies have not been fulfilled, then the skeptics would have proof that the Bible is a fraud. But prophecy has been fulfilled. Contrary to popular belief, the rise and fall of history's great nations, including America and Britain, was prophesied by God in considerable detail in the pages of the Bible. In fact, an exciting, pulsating, vital third of the whole Bible is devoted to prophecy. And approximately 90% of all prophecy pertains to our time now in these last days. Yes, fulfilled prophecy is the proof of divine revelation. Note that. 
fulfilled prophecy is the proof of divine revelation. How do we know that the Bible is the revealed word of God? Well, we can look at prophecies that have been made in the Bible and then see if they've come to pass. Now, not all of them have come to pass yet, but some have. Now, skeptics will scoff at Bible prophecy, but their scoffing was also prophesied. And so the irony being that when people scoff at prophecy, they're actually fulfilling a specific prophecy. Notice this in 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3. Now you know that if somebody's in an attitude of scoffing about any topic, there's nothing much you can say to them. They'll scoff, they'll laugh. You know, you've probably dealt with that. Even on secular subjects, somebody just doesn't believe, you know, even in apparent truth, something that's pretty obvious, and and there's not much you can do. But we don't want to have that attitude. We want to be open-minded and and see what God says and prove it with, with an attitude of looking to prove it. 2 Peter 3, verses 3 through 4, it says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, so this is the time we're talking about, these days today, right before Christ returns, there will come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, so they're interested in their own pursuits. They're not interested in the word of God. And it says in verse 4, And saying, well, where is the promise of his coming? Scoffing, well, where is he? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Oh, it, it's going to continue. It's always going to stay like it is. You know, there's never going to be anything different than what we see today. People can have that mindset. But Second Peter goes on there, if you read in verse or chapter 3 and you read more of that, it points out that God is patient and merciful, and he's giving people a certain amount of time to repent and be blessed. He's warning them, like, okay, look, if, if you continue in this wrong path, here's what's going to happen. And then he gives people time to heed that and to change. But if they don't, then ultimately they're going to have the fruit of their doings. You know, these scoffers are sort of like uh, a young person who smokes a few times. Uh, when I was in middle school, I remember kids getting into that and smoking and and everyone knew it was bad for you, but at the time they didn't care, and um, they didn't come down with cancer immediately. They didn't have cancer or emphysema the first day they smoked at lunch. <laughs> but uh, eventually, those are the problems that manifest themselves. You know, so a young person could do something like that. They could, you know, break a health law for a while and kind of laugh at it and say, ah you know, scoff at it. It's not going to happen to me. And and you've probably heard that with certain things in life, maybe even thought that yourself. And then, well, when, when the illness or the problem sets in, then usually people say, oh, I wish I had never done that. I wish I had never gotten involved. But for a while, people can go on. They can do some things and not feel the immediate uh, repercussion in some cases. And so that's kind of what these scoffers are like in Second Peter. You know, all oh, Those prophecies aren't going to happen because it hasn't happened yet in some cases. But again, we can look back at history, and there are a lot of prophecies that have been fulfilled. So we need to have an open mind and to see that. And as we see that, well, what does it tell us? Well, it tells us that if those prophecies have been fulfilled, the ones that are still coming will also be fulfilled. And it shows that God knew what was going to happen. He has the power to make prophecies and make them come to pass. 
Here is uh, some vital prophecy to consider. Uh, The correspondence course says, God warned that four great world-dominating destructive kingdoms would arise consecutively. He pictured these four kingdoms by a huge four-sectioned image. And to make it even clearer, God also pictured these same kingdoms by four ferocious-looking destructive beasts. So this is a really pivotal prophecy here in the Bible. It's very important. These, these governments, these world-ruling governments, ultimately replaced by the kingdom of God. And it's in Daniel 2 that it talks about it, and of course, some in Revelation as well. But we'll focus here on Daniel 2. And this is a big prophecy, so we'll just give some of the highlights. There's a lot more you can study in the correspondence course. But Daniel 2 and verse 28 says, But there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets, this is Daniel speaking, and makes known to King Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. So this dream had to do with what would happen in the future. It says, Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed are these. So Daniel was able to tell Nebuchadnezzar what he dreamed, and then he told him what it meant. And so Nebuchadnezzar was pretty smart in that way. He wanted somebody to tell him what he had dreamed, so he knew that they had some insight that they couldn't have gotten, you know, um, any place. It would have had to have a, a certain gift to understand and interpret dreams, and that only comes from God. And so here Daniel had that. He could tell Nebuchadnezzar, here's what you dreamed, and here's what it means. Verse 36, he says, This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And, of course, Nebuchadnezzar had all of that. God gave that to him. Verse 38, And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, has he given into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. So, of course, there was this statue, this image that he dreamed about, and Daniel is describing what that statue represented. Verse 39, And after these shall arise another kingdom inferior to you. Nebuchadnezzar was that first kingdom, but then there's these other ones coming. And another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. For as much as iron breaks in pieces and subdues all things, and as iron that breaks all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. So we see sequentially here four kingdoms. Four kingdoms that then uh, are replaced by the government of God. The correspondence course says here are symbolically described the four consecutive world-ruling empires. The first kingdom or empire was Nebuchadnezzar's, then existent as uh, the kingdom at that time. History records that Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, the Chaldean Empire, called Babylon, after the name of its capital city, existed from 629 to 539 BC. We also know from history that the second kingdom was to be the Persian Empire, 558 to 330 BC, often called Medo-Persian because it was composed of the Medes and Persians. The third world-ruling kingdom was to be Greece, which began in 333 BC under Alexander the Great, who conquered the Persian Empire. And the fourth kingdom was to be the Roman Empire, 31 BC to AD 476. So it's really awesome to go and study into this history and this prophecy. There's a lot more detail given about these empires in the Bible, and you can study all of the details in Lesson 16 
of the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. So there's more depth to get into here. We're just hitting the highlights today. But again, you can study history and see how these empires have come and gone. Exactly how Daniel prophesied. It's exactly how Daniel prophesied. He was he was telling the king what his dream was. Now, this dream was a special dream that God gave to the king. It wasn't just some random dream. God gave him a specific dream, and then he gave Daniel understanding of that dream to show what would happen in the future. And so you can study history and see how these empires have come and gone. The fourth empire has multiple resurrections of it, and those occur all the way up until the return of Christ. And so that's all talked about in Daniel as well. But how could Daniel know this? How did Daniel know? There were other people there at the time that claimed to have understanding and have knowledge and you know a certain amount of um, uh, ability to interpret things, but they didn't have any idea. They didn't know what the dream was. They certainly didn't know what it meant. How did Daniel know this? God gave the dream to Nebuchadnezzar, and then he gave understanding of the dream to Daniel. See, it was God doing it. Just to remind us, Daniel 2 and verse 28, it says, But there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. Daniel didn't take the credit for himself. He didn't say, well, I'm just, I've got this ability. He said, look, there's a God in heaven that reveals secrets, and he makes known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. God made it known. God prophesied it and then had that prophecy revealed and then understood through Nebuchadnezzar there and Daniel. See, God has the power to prophesy. He has the power to bring those prophecies to pass. What does that mean in terms of is the Bible, you know, God's word or not? Well, when you see those prophecies revealed and then they happen, only God can do that. Only God can do that. He revealed these things. He prophesied these things. And you can look at history and see that these empires have come and gone. And then, of course, we're in the one of the resurrections here, the final resurrection coming up of the Holy Roman Empire. So you can study a lot more about that, again, in various places. We've got a lot of material at thetrumpet.com about that. So God has the power to prophesy and to bring those prophecies to pass. And that shows us that God's word is the inspired word of God. Because he's prophesied, and many of them have happened, and we can see that they have, after he prophesied them. God has the power to prophesy and to bring those prophecies to pass, and that shows us, and that proves to us, that the Bible is the revealed word of God. Notice what Christ said in Matthew 34 and verse 35. Matthew 34 and verse 35 He said, heaven and earth shall pass away. You know, all these things that we see physically, at some point they do. He said, but my word shall not pass away. God's teaching, his instruction, his law, and his prophecies. I mean, they do come to pass in that sense, and then they're, you know, completed in some cases. But uh, there's so much to look at in God's word. Prophecy's an important part of it. Vitally important, but then... There's other things, too. There's instruction in how to live, instructions in righteousness. And if those prophecies are accurate, which they are, then those other instructions are also accurate. They're also from God. When we look at prophecy and we see that it has been fulfilled and continues to be, God the Father and Jesus Christ live. It shows us that there is 
a God, God the Father and Jesus Christ, a God family. And they have a gospel message, good news about their coming kingdom and family. Man can be born into that kingdom. It's all part of God's message. The Bible is the inspired word of God. And God challenges anyone who doesn't believe him to study prophecy and history. Study it with an open mind. Scoffing is not hard to do. People scoff. That doesn't take any ability or effort. That just takes a bad attitude. But how about looking into the Word of God and seeing, okay, well, what was prophesied and did it come to pass? Now, again, some things haven't come to pass yet. But many things have, and all of them will. The only thing we can rely on is the Word of God. What else can we rely on? You know, we do see it as this world falls apart more and more and becomes it becomes more apparent how corrupt things are, that there's nothing that you can really trust. What can you trust? What can you look at and, and see that is accurate? There's really nothing. All you can really look at and trust is the Word of God. Beyond that, you know, there's, there's nothing to hope in. There's no hope in man and man's institutions. We need God and we need His Word, and we need to really understand it and really be focused on it. So if you want to study more about this, again, the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course gets into a lot of details about the Bible. Lesson 16 in particular talks about these prophecies. And if you're wanting to really pin down the fact that God's Word is, in fact, from God, the Bible is the revealed Word of God, these prophecies here in Daniel 2 are a great way to do that. So make sure that you do study it, look at it with an open mind, and then it's, it's a great reminder as well, even if you've looked at it before, and it helps build our faith for sure. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Live by Every Word. Thank you for spending some of your time with me. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.